0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: What's up everybody? Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Show. My name's Josh Shaler, joined by Barton Simmons, Trey Scott, later by Connor Tap. How are we doing today, guys? We're doing great. We're doing good, I'm back. Sorry I missed you guys last week. Welcome back. We have a question. Did you
2: watch the show last week while you were absent? No, I was in a fevered sleep during the show. I was saying like, I told the, the audience. I said, if Barton's sick, he must be really sick because you are known to walk around with 101 degree fevers for weeks without knowing you're sick. You come into the office with strep throat, pneumonia, whooping cough, and never gone home, so it must have been really bad.
3: i got to say, the combination of throwing my back out on Monday, doing deadlifts combined with the strep <laughs> What throats, are you doing
1: deadlifts for? Is, I won't be doing them ever <laughs> again. Uh, that, I think, was what really got me. Yeah. Wow, getting old, man. Getting yeah. old. Okay. Uh, here's for the questions, comments. We'll read those throughout the show. Get a fan of the week as well out of that. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and get started, guys. Uh, let's start with Tua. Uh, Tua went yeah. down, obviously, with that major, uh, that serious injury, the hip injury in the Mississippi State game. Uh, let's start here. Is this the end for Tua? Will we As see a, him again in an Alabama uniform? This is this is not the end of Tua, but it
3: is the end this of Tua a, at Alabama. Well, <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> guess,
1: I, this is a college show. Excuse me. Yes.
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I'd be pretty shocked. If he came back, I guess there are cases to be made for it. You can make a case. He could come back and play. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not buying that. You can make a case. He could come back and sit just so that by the time next NFL draft rolls around, uh, he can prove that he is fully recovered from his injury. And he could then go top five in the draft instead of back into the first round where he's probably rejected to go now. Uh, but I think all of that is is probably overthinking this. I think this is a guy that probably heads the NFL. Yeah. Maybe he loses a little money in that first round, but the trade-off is maybe catches on with a better team, better career, more back end upside. I mean look at Lamar Jackson. Yeah.
2: Look at Lamar Jackson goes thirty-two. The guaranteed money is the big sticker here. Number one last year, Kyler Murray, as far as guaranteed money with signing bonus and all that, makes fifty-nine million. Dwayne Haskins, who goes 15, makes 22.9. So it's a significant loss. If, you know, you, you have $23 million, I would still say that's better than going back and betting on yourself and losing. I would also say that to uh, I think this is a... Uh, I think he's no worse than third right now as far as 2020 NFL Draft quarterbacks go. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, both of those guys, I think they could have flaws poked in, poked in them in the pre-draft process. 2021, Trevor Lawrence is going number one for sure. So Tua, if you want to say go back to school and play, or go back to school and rehab and be the number one pick, that's not going to happen. I think he should go pro. I was watching, you know, a few other shows this morning. I was surprised there was an argument for him to come back and rehab to go make that money. But don't bet on yourself. I mean, he, so, uh, he keeps betting on himself and getting hurt. I, I just just
3: sit out. You're still going to be drafted. to So the, top the difference could be what. 20 million guaranteed, something like that. Yeah. So, but what is the difference in just having an additional earning power year, as opposed to just not making anything in college for an additional year? I mean, you're you're recouping some of that money that you that you lose just by actually going pro. Um, You get closer to that second contract, which is the big one, anyways. You get a better opportunity to play. Like, there's to me, it's still kind of a no-brainer to move on. Um, And and Tua given the personality that he is, um, A, I think he'll rehab it and be really, you know, recover quickly. But B, he's a very marketable person. Um, He's gonna have plenty of money making opportunity if he wants to capitalize on that in the next level that goes beyond contract. So uh, I I just think it seems silly to, to me for him to consider coming back.
2: When you look back up to his career, Like, what are your initial thoughts? I think one of the best quarterbacks in college football history. The stats prove that. And I think just one of the more memorable moments ever, the second and twenty-six touchdown pass. But I also kind of left with a sense of kind of wanted more, and that's not his fault. Remember we were sitting here a year ago on this show sort of projecting. We were saying Alabama might be the best team of all time, and we played that fun game, and we looked like Tua – would at least finish with one Heisman Trophy. looked like he might finish with three national championships, two national championships, and his career ends. This is, like, really sad. The only national title he ever has, he wasn't even a starter for that game. There's a lot of what-ifs here.
3: Yeah, there are. There's two things, I think. One is injuries have plagued his career to a certain degree. Obviously, his freshman year, he comes in as in relief. Um, But sophomore year, uh, gets banged up latter half of the season and is is playing very hobbled. I mean that was a that was the storyline in the postseason is to injury. How healthy is Tua going to be? What's the latest on the rehab? Uh, and, and so I do think that that kind of muted uh, the the tail end of, of last season and and really in all the the, the biggest games. Uh, secondly, I think in a way Tua's legacy as Like the upside of his legacy, I guess, has has hit the ceiling of Alabama's talent around him. Like, because they blow teams out, because we've seen Alabama and like so much of Tua's career has been with him sitting in the second half, we've just there have been fewer opportunities for him to have these like iconic Tebow-ish moments. Mm -hmm. And so, I think that is certainly not his fault, and it's not Alabama's fault. It's what they're what they're trying to accomplish there. Uh, But I do think that that's part of it. As well, but ultimately, to me, Tua's legacy in college football is is pulling Alabama like out of yesteryear and into the the new age he of college football, forcing Nick Saban to embrace a high-flying passing attack. And uh, I mean, because think back, like even with Jalen Hurts, it was a it was a little more plodding. It was a little more we're gonna wear you down, lean on our defense, and Tua sort of forced his hand and said, you have this generational talent, you got to get modern on offense. And they did, and they've been one of the most enjoyable teams to watch offensively over the last few years. And, and hey, the other part of it is he, Tua's class, that class of 2017, he arrived with this unreal wide receiver group. Mm-hmm. And just seeing that marriage uh, and, and that group grow together has been – it has been pretty entertaining also.
1: Uh, to continue the discussion on Tua, Kevin Boyler talked to Travis Ryer from Bama Online in this week's Boiling Point.
4: What's up everyone? Welcome to Boiling Point, where we put our experts to the test by asking them a few pointed questions. Alabama lost star quarterback Tua Tungavailoa to a season-ending hip injury last weekend. Here today to help navigate the fallout is Travis Ryer of 24-7 Sports' Bama Online. Travis, Alabama was leading 35-7 with the first half winding down when Tua suffered the injury. Should he have even been in the game?
5: Couple of dynamics, couple of things to consider here, I think, Kevin, this was an Alabama team coming off a loss the previous week to LSU, a loss in which it had given up 46 points and over 500 yards of total offense to a really good LSU team. So, if you're Alabama, this defense in 2019 isn't one of those defenses from previous years. So, a 28 point lead there in the second quarter, I think it's understandable. Also, this wasn't a situation where Tua was obviously laboring out there. He wasn't struggling to put up 14 of 18 completions for 256 yards and two touchdowns in a little less than a half of work. So all things considered, I don't really have a problem with Tua being out there in the second quarter. I guess if you felt like he shouldn't have played in the game at all, you might have had a legitimate argument, but anything else is just 2020 hindsight.
4: Even and company must turn to Mac Jones at quarterback now, Travis. If the playoff committee does end up selecting them as one of the top four teams, would a Jones-led Bama team really be capable of winning it all?
5: Yeah, that's a tough one. I know the comparisons have been made to Cardell Jones and Ohio State in 2014, but. You know, I think defensively, you might have more issues with this team than even with Mac Jones at quarterback. Now, the thing Tua gave you was a puncher's chance against anyone. I can I can tell you, LSU would not like to see Alabama again with Tua Tonga at quarterback. With Mac Jones, obviously a different dynamic. So, I, I think his chances are are greatly decreased of winning at all without Tua tonga And that's not meant to knock Mac Jones because really, I think there's a drop-off from Tua tonga to any other quarterback in college football right now.
4: So much for stopping by, Travis. Mac Jones and the Crimson Tide have to make a statement in the coming weeks. Make sure you get that statement by following Travis on Twitter and read his work over at Bama Online.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: All right, thanks, fellas. All right, so I think this is actually ridiculous that this is even being brought up. But should Tua have been in the game? Do you fault Saban or whoever to make that call? It was the second quarter of a twenty-eight point lead, and it's not like his—he was having ankle issues. That's not even like what he got hurt. He hurt his hip. But should he have been in the game? I think it's ridiculous because it was before halftime. Maybe after halftime, sure. But
3: yeah, I, I have a like I have a major issue with people hindsight saying. How could you have put Tua in that last drive? You know, how like why would why was Tua in? And and Travis said in the video, yeah, if if you want to gripe or or pick at the idea of Tua playing at all, I I can accept the criticism. I I don't think that there's some sort of uh, you know moral misstep by Nick Saban, or it's just sort of you can argue the other way. There's no, there's no. I think firm case to be made to where you're just wrong to play Tua. He was cleared by the staff. Tua wanted to play. They played. And with him being in the game, like it's a pretty typical spot to pull him in the second half. Like play him through the first half and that he got injured on, and, and Travis again, I made a good point. It's not like he was out there like running for his life. He was picking Mississippi State apart. and. So if you're going to play him, you can't be scared. You can't – you got to – you know, just yeah. let him play the two-minute drill. Pull him in halftime. Give it to Mac Jones. I, I, I just think that's a reach for the people that are claiming this was some, you know, bad decision by Nick Saban to have him in a series too long.
6: Yeah, well, I'm on the same page with you. Uh, related to Tua and his injuries, Dwayne Holloway, an Alabama fan, is wondering is – Tua's his accumulation of injuries throughout his college career. Like, how much of a concern is that? Looking forward to what we assume will be next his NFL career.
3: I think it's a. I mean, I think it's a concern. Um, you know, he's a thick kid. He's a sturdy kid. Like, he's. You wouldn't think he would be injury prone, but I, I think part of it is the the style he plays with. Um, all of these injuries come from him trying to extend plays. In, in ways that he probably shouldn't, um, and I think in the NFL, he will be taught to live to fight another down, um, throw the ball away, and, and I think that that, like, if, if he's just smarter with the football and, and sort of fights that instinct to just hit a home run every, every at bat, uh, I think you'll see that the injuries dip a little bit. But sure, I think that's something NFL programs are going to have to – NFL franchises will wrestle with.
1: All right, so we're going to talk about playoff hopes and dreams here in a minute. But let, let's move on. Let's talk about LSU for a minute. Um, LSU's defense did not look particularly good against Ole Miss, I would say. Um, are, did, are they basically leaving the door crack for Ohio State to get, jump back up there to number one? Oh.
2: I don't know. I, I, I think Ohio State – might end up taking back this number one spot, which we'll talk about is, I sure. think, a more important battle than the battle for number four, because you don't want to play this year as number three. I'm just starting to wonder if LSU is kind of a, a step behind Ohio State and Clemson, regardless of the rankings. But as far as looking at a team that can win a playoff semifinal and then win a national championship, we've got stats up here right now comparing LSU's defense this year to Oklahoma's last year. And, and LSU's defense this year is 53rd in yards per play. It's much better than Oklahoma's, which was like 100-something-something. Something. But it's not good. And I, I I wonder about LSU's long-term ability to keep winning shootouts. Are you scared?
3: Well, the, here, I mean, the reality is this, is there's tiers there's here in this college football season, and these tiers have been trimmed down as the season progresses. There was a big tier of national title contenders, that's gotten trimmed down to a smaller tier of national title contenders, and I think even within those national title contenders, there are now national title favorites, and then there's LSU. I think I think oh. there's no. My my That's, point is LSU yeah. still a contender. Right. They're still in that top three, which I think are the three that look like they can win a national title. I'm not sure anyone outside that three can win it. So I'm including LSU in that three, but to me within that three, there's a there's a tier. There's the two with elite defenses, and LSU. And LSU has a solid defense. They, I think it's a, it's a defense that is, is good enough, but when you're going up against a Clemson defense or an Ohio State defense that are, uh, I think, one and two in the country maybe, in stop rates uh, you know, among the best in the country in yards per play, uh, that's, that's a meaningful gap between LSU's kind of above-average defense. And so, yeah, when we're splitting those hairs, I think this stuff becomes pretty meaningful.
2: No college football playoff-era champion, so 2014 and on, uh, has won a national title with a defense that's 18th nationally or worse. So 53rd is quite the jump. I'm, I'm, do you blame this, Barton, on their style of offense now? Because LSU has the defensive pieces. They've got first-round picks across it. And I know not all of them have played so well this year. Grant Delpit's sort of getting a lot of heat for missed tackles. But this has to be – Correlated to LSU's up tempo offense,
3: right? Yeah, I, I mean, there's a there's a psychological side of this in terms of the the ability to like when LSU, if if this was um, a less miles offense, LSU would be ranked higher in, in defensively. And it less because, and I think it's less because of like, oh, you get more rest, or uh, or even the idea of practice being more physical. While there's probably an element of that in play, but I think it's just a matter of the urgency. Like when you have an offense on the other side of the ball that you know is going to score every play versus an offense that you aren't sure is going to hit 30 points, defensively, you go out there every play, every snap with a totally different mindset of like, we've got to get off the field here. And I just think you loosen up a little bit when it turns into a ping pong match. And so uh, I think we're seeing a little bit of that psychological impact of playing with with a, a big 12 offense. Um, which is what LSU's got right now. And so uh, that doesn't mean LSU can't get the stops it needs to win a national title, but it does mean, I think, that they're, they're not where Ohio State and Clemson are defensively right now. I see a question, and I
2: guess I don't know if we have any others. Connor, you might have seen the same one. Barton, and we can use this as a segue into the playoff discussion. How do you know how good Clemson defense or Ohio State defense is if they don't play anybody good? <laughs> you don't even have to answer that. But that, those are kind of streaming in. Brian says, who have both them schools played? Nobody. we got two LSU fans sort of jocking in for, uh, right. for your attention here.
3: R- right. Well, so, first of all, Ohio State, you say they haven't played anybody. Um, they've played Wisconsin. they played Indiana. They've played, uh, you know, Cincinnati is a top 25 team. Like, like, what does nobody mean? I mean, they've played – they've played – uh, a Big Ten schedule, and I mean LSU. Yeah, LSU has like LSU has played four top ten teams. They've played the you know te- what is Texas right now?
2: Six and five.
3: What is you know and, and, and so they played Florida, Auburn, and Bama. All right. Aside from that, I mean they gave up thirty seven Ole Miss. Ole, like they gave up. They gave a bunch to Vandy. They gave up thirty eight to Vandy. Like, oh, I'm just saying. Like, there, there's at this point, everyone has played somebody. I mean, we can't we can't play this game anymore. Everyone has played somebody. And Clemson, yeah, you're right. Clemson's schedule is a good bit worse than LSU's schedule. But Clemson is absolutely destroying teams. Wake Forest, the best offense in the ACC, just put up three points and had three and outs on 11 series. And they only game. scored because
2: Clemson's punter muffed the punt.
3: It's or like the
2: kick or the snap.
3: What, out this so, so there's yeah. I mean, there. LSU has played a tougher schedule than Clemson, but Clemson is dominating its schedule in a way that is absurd. It's it's ridiculous. And so, it's okay to just sit here in week thirteen and just say, everyone's kind of played somebody. Yeah. Like we can't, like us, not play this game. All, I mean, until the national championship game.
1: All right, so let's move on to playoff discussion, and this is where I want to start with, and we can go wherever with it. But let's start with this: this weekend's game, Penn State goes to Ohio State. Let's pretend for just a second Penn State beats Ohio State. Whoa! What happens? What like, there's where does Oregon jump up? Does what happens? What, what do we think happens?
3: Wow, you're putting us on the spot. Yeah. Well, I think you know, teams- it's assuming Georgia keeps winning, correct? Then uh, Georgia will be in there. I think you could see. Depending on, I mean, I think Alabama, we'll probably yeah. still see it. Probably be still kind of status quo. I would, I would imagine that Ohio State would dip down maybe to uh, Alabama's spot. I could see Ohio State. You could see them dip.
1: falling out of the top four. Sure. With, mm. And then Alabama jumping up.
3: Mm. No, I'm saying out the, the move. Well, I guess yeah. So, so they would be four. Um, what a hypothetical. So, I, but it, that's that's one of those though too, where it's like. It, it would be significant, but at the same time, like if Ohio State still won out, Ohio State's still a top 14 probably. Um, if, you know, so, so there's a lot of what happens thereafter at play uh, that is dependent on, on sort of where the college football playoff goes. Um,
6: so I- just I, want point, I just want to point something out with kind of tying back into our LSU discussion earlier. Like whether, assuming LSU and Ohio State continue to win, it's going to be a really interesting thing to watch of does the committee move Ohio State ahead of LSU even though LSU isn't losing? Because if LSU does win out and like maintains the number one seed, even though we think they're a team with some flaws, like they might get matched up against Georgia right now is in that number four slot. Um, yeah. And that's the team LSU would play in the SEC title game. And that's a team that I think we think Barton, you you put in a in a lower tier than LSU, so presumably one LSU could beat. So they might, despite LSU having some flaws, they might not encounter one of these, you know, teams in the two or three slot, Ohio State or Clemson, right now that we think are a little bit more complete. So if LSU beats Georgia, knocks Georgia out of the playoff
2: picture, LSU plays like an Oregon, in, right. in, in round one. Yeah, maybe I.
3: Yeah, I mean, but this yeah. my whole point with LSU is not that they can't win a national title. I think they absolutely can i'm just saying that the the ohio state and clemson teams look more complete to me uh, i also think that lsu does have a better better wins right now than ohio state but when ohio state plays penn state michigan and then i guess wisconsin minnesota right i mean right. i'm sorry i meant to say minnesota yeah. on the other side three that's top 15 that's teams. good you're probably going to play th- if, if, if ohio state wins they will probably have beaten three top 10 or top 15 maybe top 10 teams
2: yeah and, and- People are forgetting that Ohio State was number one in these rankings a few weeks ago. Yeah, It's it's very clear that it's very possible that they jump back up. I almost wonder if the committee would like to do that as far as rewarding the team that has looked the most dominant on paper this season and as a reward for that Ohio State, you don't have to play the toughest number three in the history of the college football playoff. As far as number four, when the rankings came out on Tuesday, what's the take? Is it Oklahoma's in trouble? Is so that the Pac-12 actually has a chance here?
3: Uh, the Pac-12 is in great shape. I think. I mean, because you have to assume. Look, if, if Georgia beats LSU, then that's just trouble Everyone's, for the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah. But if we assume that LSU beats Georgia, um, not a given, but but certainly you know they'll be favored in that game. Then I got to believe that a Pac-12 team that is 12 and one. That just beat an 11 and 1 top seven program mm-hmm. is is going to have enough to jump Alabama that didn't play in a conference championship game um, and a two loss Georgia and whatever happens in the Big 12 to Oklahoma won't be enough to to climb above those two teams who are who are by the way both playing great football not surviving that's important but looking
2: impressive. That's important because the resume, uh, the resume doesn't look strong for Utah or
3: Oregon. Well, yeah, because the Pac-12. But you saw USC jump in, mm-hmm. so now U- Utah, their only loss is now to a top-25 team, with Zach Moss injured four carries into the game. And you finally give Oregon a top-25 win. So that, and not only that, but you got Utah, whose non-conference, you know, they can only play three non-conference games. One of those games was a win against a BYU team that all of a sudden looks like it might end up eight and four. So. Oregon went and scheduled Auburn. That will be rewarded or won't be penalized significantly. Um, And both these teams have been dominating their opponents. So Pac-12 looks great. Like They look like a a, a, um, worthy playoff team. Uh, And look, we'll see what happens this weekend. But assuming everything goes according to plan, I don't see how you keep one of those teams out uh, in favor of Big, Big 12 or Alabama? So when the rankings were being released in
2: 25-to-1 you know, order, I was like, this is good for the Big 12. Iowa State jumps in. Oklahoma State's still up there. Oklahoma has to play Oklahoma State in Bedlam. And there's Baylor. They only dropped one spot. That means a lot for a Big 12 title game rematch. And I see Oklahoma only move up one spot for being the number 13 team in the country. And I just like... I had been... I, the last few weeks, I have been maintaining that Oklahoma is going to have enough. To, to make a move into the top four. Because I was thinking, okay, Baylor twice, Bedlam, have a win over Iowa State, lost to Kansas State, which was ranked, have a win over Texas, which will not finish ranked. And all of a sudden, the committee clearly didn't value that win over Baylor. I don't know if it's because it was in comeback fashion or what. But to only move up one spot for beating the number 13 team in the country, Oklahoma's in
3: big trouble. Yeah, I, you could probably make a case that given away the way it lost, given what we've seen out of Minnesota who just beat Penn State, and who lost in a close game on the road uh, to Iowa as its only loss comparative to that Oklahoma's only loss being a K-State team that's now out of the, uh, the top 25 and Oklahoma's now played two straight survival games, you could make a case that Oklahoma could have dropped the spot um, with that game. Just given who, who you're comparing the resumes with, with Minnesota, Penn State, and these other teams, even Florida, whose only two losses were competitive games to top four teams right now. So uh, I just think Oklahoma needs to start winning in impressive fashion to, to stop the decline and head back up because we're, we were used to early in the season, like we felt like this Oklahoma team could be in this, in this sort of top three tier. Yeah. And the defense looked better, Jayla. So it's, but it has since changed, like our, our, our perception of this team has changed. I think all that's important. I think optics and all that is, is very important. And so Oklahoma
1: needs to get heading back up. Back to your Pac 12 discussion, just a second. Basically, their, their hopes of getting in are tied to the SEC championship game, correct? Because they need LSU to beat Georgia. Georgia beating LSU, that might keep LSU still in the top four.
3: I, I would hope would. LSU stays in the top four. Yeah, I think there. it would. I so think if Georgia wins, you got two SEC teams in. Yeah, So Clemson
1: basically, and... their their hopes are tied to the SEC championship game.
3: Yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: Yeah, like okay. so. Yeah.
2: All right. Oregon fans and Utah fans are rooting for LSU the rest of the way.
1: Right. Well, okay, and real quick, just to touch back on Alabama, do we believe the committee is? I, I don't. With Mac Jones at quarterback. No. Well, because they have no, they are not going to they're not going to play in the conference. All
3: right, here, here's my take on Alabama with like right now. If you believe, if the committee has been sitting there for the last few weeks, and maybe even since after that LSU game, and they're saying, my eyes are telling me that Alabama is a top four team. We believe Alabama is a top four team. Um, they, you know, obviously they jumped Georgia above them, so they I guess they believe Alabama is a top five team, and assuming Georgia loses i i think that you can't look at this and say the because mac jones is now the quarterback at alabama we no longer view this team as a top 5 team i think you have no, no no hear me out right. i think you have to allow them to showcase what they look like with mac jones you can't make the assumption now if if alabama goes and and, and barely beats auburn and the offense is just whatever then yeah, I mean, you're whatever. Do whatever you want with them. But I think if Alabama, for example, beats Auburn by 20, and and the offense looks sharp with Mac Jones and the defense takes a step forward, I, I think you have to you you can't change the way you viewed Alabama before. If you felt like Alabama with Tua was going to get jumped by the big by the Pac-12 champion anyways, then yeah, business as usual. Keep it rolling. Pac-12 champ with a conference championship should jump Alabama. They do. But if you were under the impression that Alabama, with Tua, as a non-division champion, should have been a playoff contender or should be a playoff contender if that spot opens, then you should still be of the impression that this Alabama team with Mac Jones has an opportunity to prove that.
2: I suppose it's possible that they pull a 2014 Ohio State with Cardell Jones and beat, you know,
3: Auburn. Let's, let's let's take that off the table. Let's just call it a a 31 to 14 win. 31-13. I don't.
2: I, you're asking the wrong guy. I was be, I, I was bearish on Alabama's playoff chances, regardless. But I, I do I I would have allowed that with Tua they were a top four team in football. And I don't. You know what? I know Auburn's defense is great, and it's going to be at Auburn. And I will be really impressed and just pleased with Mac Jones if he plays well in that game. But I don't know if that's enough. That's too small of a sample size for me to trust that the committee can put Alabama in and we will be given a competitive game. If it's a year in which Alabama's defense is good, different story. But the committee's job is to put the best four teams in college football, and I just don't know if one game against, granted, a good opponent is
6: enough to to prove that for Alabama.
1: All right. Uh, Connor, questions? How are we doing?
6: Yeah, John wants to know what has to happen for Joe Burrow to not win the Heisman at this point. Mm. I think he has got to
3: lose the SEC championship game. Well, let's just say this. LSU has to lose again before the playoffs and it has to be Joe Burrow. Not Joe Burrow's fault, but he has to have a multiple interception game that contributes to that loss. Mm -hmm. That is the first contingent. second contingent is that Chase Young is dominant against uh, Penn State, dominant against Michigan, and dominant in the Big Ten championship game. So it's really, I think, both Even of those things have to happen, games? huh? Even after now, yeah, he missed I Maryland like at Rutgers.
2: I was gonna say, I, I like yeah. your Ohio State take. I was thinking Justin Fields. Do you think Chase Young can still get in this?
3: I think to me, Chase Young. Did he get some sympathy? Like get some sympathy votes here? It's not like I, forget about the the two games he missed. Okay. They were they were the most like inconsequential games of this for the year for them. It doesn't matter that he was missed those. What he's done against. It, like, and, hey, this might be me as a pipe dream that a defensive guy has a chance. But I, I believe that Chase Young is the most deserving on that Ohio State team mm-hmm. to be in contention here. And I believe that Chase Young, is, like, imp, like he has a chance to – I'm more confident that Chase Young will impact games in dramatic ways than I am in, in dramatic ways that lead to victory than I am Justin Fields. And not that I don't think Justin Fields will play well, but I think Justin Fields is part of this whole operation offensively where all these different guys are making plays, whereas Chase Young is just this like, who you can't miss him on the field when he's out there.
6: I wonder if you could construct a contrarian argument, and I'm not saying I'm doing this, I'm just wondering generally, that like, Chase Young being suspended for two games and then coming back, and if he does have those just monster games, like maybe that ends up being a net positive for his Heisman odds. Like, now he has, I imagine he has a lot more name ID across the country mm-hmm. than he did before he got suspended. So maybe, maybe that helps? I don't, I don't know. I just, there's, what,
2: 950 people voting for the Heisman, and I don't know how many of them are going to view a suspension. I know we don't care that Chase Young took a loan. Maybe some of them will punish him for it. Yeah. Uh, Justin Fields, I think he's going to end up going to New York, and I think if, if it's not Joe Burrow, it's Justin Fields' Look at the stats. 31 touchdowns, one interception. ESPN says he's been per QBR the second best quarterback in football. I think it's about time for you in the future to like kind of <laughs> dunk on the Justin Fields haters because it looks like you were right all along.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, there's which which ones do I dunk on? The I think the ones that the ones that deserve the dunking the most are the ones that when Justin Fields transferred from Georgia jumped on their pedestal and started yelling about how uh you know, look at this bust, um, for lack of a yeah. better, you know, if it, I'm paraphrasing. But, man, Justin Fields, you thought he was number one player in the country. Look at how, look at him fail. And it's like, man, th- we, this is not the era to, to bury a quarterback for transferring. Um, and I think, this is ex- I think this is awesome, the kind of year he's having. And I think it would be so cool to see Justin Fields face off with Trevor Lawrence in the national championship game. Two
2: best teams in the country,
6: in my opinion. Two best quarterback recruits in
2: 2018.
6: Uh, Ken Ross wants to know, do you think that the Michigan offense has found their groove? Have they figured it out? Shea's play still has me worried, even though he's looked a little bit better as of late. Yeah, Yeah, I think they have found their groove. I think they found confidence as much as anything. And I think that they found
3: that, I mean, this, this was a new offense, and we all got so impatient with it. And, and it was a new, totally new system and, and a new style, philosophy, all that. And so as things were clunky in the beginning, and I think as this season has played out, you're finding more young guys making plays. Cornelius Johnson, Mike Sandler still, um, the, the, the true freshman running back, uh, Zach Charbonnet. Uh, I, I just think now that all these guys are starting to get comfortable I think Shea Patterson is starting to find his 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 groove. You're, I think you're still always holding your breath that they're not going to turn it over. I think, unless I am a little bit, but this feels like an offense that um, has found its identity at least a little bit and and is comfortable in its own skin.
2: I won't apologize for being impatient the first month and a half of the season. I, I thought there was really no excuse for the way Michigan played offensively, given how other teams have LSU acclimated to easy offenses like that. But it is nice to see them playing well, and
6: I do think they will give Ohio State a scare in two weeks. The well, last question for now comes from Kelly who wants to know, are there any other coaches we might we think might be in danger of losing their job sometime soon here?
3: So Derek Mason's back. Yeah. Uh, Clay Helton. Clay Helton is obviously the one that's most intriguing right now. And, frankly, Pete, Pete Thamel had a good article yeah. came out think, last night about sort of the dynamic at play at USD right now and how there is plenty of reason to give him another year um, because there's just so much to clean up and a new AD gonna come in and throw $20 million down the drain to get rid of Clay Helton after a year where his team really has battled for him. Um, those guys have played hard all year. I, th- I think you gotta commend that, but ultimately if they win, Against UCLA, eight and four still isn't good enough. No, seven and five is certainly not good enough. With two straight losses to UCLA, a bad version of UCLA. So, I tend to think we'll still get a Clay Helton firing, but the problem is there's a lot of mixed messages on Urban Meyer. It's you know that that it feels like that's turning in the other direction of him not being a guy that's going to be on in that job. They're going to make a run at James Franklin, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. What if you miss there? You don't want the USC job hunt to turn into some circus Probably. in year one with this AD.
2: You make a good point on Urban Meyer. It felt like in the, in the preseason it was, would USC want Urban Meyer with the baggage? And when the new president comes aboard, she mentions, mentions integrity a lot. And we're taking that to mean they might look elsewhere. And now it looks like USC would love to have Urban Meyer. But Urban Meyer might actually be done coaching, so that's a, that's a great point. I, I don't think James Franklin would be a disappointing
3: no, hire, but I'd be think a great Urban hire. But, but can you get him? can you get James Franklin? And I think James Franklin would be a fantastic hire at USC. Question is, can can they actually pull him? Yeah. And then if you, they can't pull him, then where do you go? Is, is Matt Campbell or Matt Rule a fit there? Is I mean, it's just there's not really another obvious name, and uh, and that's a lot of pressure for an AD in year one. Speaking of pressure,
2: it's time for Josh's big bet. Am I right, or am I jumping too far ahead, Josh? No, you're right. It's time. All right. So, Josh, you finally won a, won a bet last week. Finally. You finally won a bet. You went out and bought yourself a new hoodie, new pullover from Dillard's. And you know the, that it's week. Is that
3: new?
1: Oh, crap. Is that new? Uh, Yeah. Wow. It
3: you is, just, You just keep on going on these shopping sprees these days.
2: Everyone knows the drill. You haven't seen what's in the envelope yet. You're going to open the envelope from your World Series of Poker winning. Wow. You got got yourself out of the
3: hole last week. Are you, you going uh, all in this week?
1: I mean, I, all I, I, I have to. I've, I've only got two weeks left, right? <laughs> oh, wow. Arkansas at LSU minus 43 and a half. My God. 43 and a half. That's,
3: That's massive. That's Big number.
1: <sighs> Man. It's a two. Hey, wait, One. wait, wait, wait. No,
2: Is no, Ar- no. It's time.
1: Has Arkansas played since they fired him? No. Have they? I don't even think they have. I don't uh, think they I'll. Did. Just because that's a lot of points. Arkansas is
3: coming off a bye week. Yeah,
1: that's a lot of points. LSU is not looking good at You have to them. decide. I'll take Arkansas plus 43 and a half. All right. You you're in.
3: Arkansas plus 43 and a half. Are you betting all your chips? I'm going to bet it all. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. The, the, you never know when you're going to get another chance, so you might as well. I,
1: man, 43 and a half. Yeah. I thought you'd enjoy that.
3: It's going to be 42 to nothing in the second quarter. <laughs> I know. So well, yes, that'll be like a fun, Arkansas. That'll be a fun I don't, who bets minutes. on Arkansas this year? Jeez, Josh. Uh, uh, I, I I'm not sure. I'm not saying I'm not saying that's the wrong pick. I'm just saying it is going to be 42 nothing at
1: some point. Probably. And you're going to have to sweat the rest of the way. Well, like all the other games. Uh, take a balooza. Hot takes by these guys. Trey, what's your hot take? Well, speaking of LSU. They
2: just surrendered 200 yards rushing to Ole Miss quarterback John Rice Plumley, who also added four touchdowns. And so, therefore, my big take this week is that John Rice Plumley from Ole Miss, sophomore quarterback next year, will be a Heisman contender. I'm not saying finalist, so maybe I'm hedging my bets a bit. Maybe it's not that hot, but this guy is atop the SEC or near the top in just about every rushing statistic, despite the fact that he's a quarterback, despite the fact that he's been splitting time with Matt Corral. And despite the fact that defenses every single week know that this quarterback counter run game is coming and they can do nothing to stop it. So if offensive coordinator, coordinator Rich Rodriguez stays, he's going to have a perfect offense again next year for John Rice Plumley. who, what a great story, man. Like an unwanted quarterback recruit, Georgia pretty much said, nah, you, nah.
3: Well, what, I mean. Yeah, tell me about it. How fortunate for John Rice Plumley, Because, look, we, he was... We knew how athletic he was. He's a baseball prospect. Yeah. He's a legit 4-4 guy, maybe even a sub-4-4 type of guy. Um, but he couldn't throw. And he's still really not a he's to still the not much of a thrower. And so that we didn't know what to do with him from a ranking standpoint. But how fortunate that he has been paired with Rich Rodriguez. Because you're right, Ole Miss is fun right now offensively. I mean, Rich Rod's got that thing rolling. Uh, he's got the perfect quarterback for his system. And if Rich rides around, we could have a few years of, of some offense in Oxford. Yeah. Uh, all right. Mine is going to the Pac-12, and I'm saying there will be an upset in the desert this weekend. Whoa. You're seeing Herm Edwards, but you can throw Kevin Sumlin up there, too, if you want to. Either Arizona State beats Utah. Or, or, I'm sorry. Arizona State beats Oregon or Arizona beats Utah this weekend. Because it's just too clean in the Pac 12 right now. It's never been this clean. 11 and 1 versus 11 and 1. Uh, you know, we got everyone's chalking them up to the championship game and we'll, they're playing for a playoff spot. And this is the Pac 12. Both these games are going to be played at night. One is 7.30 Eastern Time, the other is 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, it's going to get wild, it's going to get kooky. And I just don't see. Two teams, as good as they are, getting out of the kooky Pac-12 without something weird
2: happening. I have a question. Does a loss in either of these situations knock the Pac-12 out? Essentially, does Oregon lose... If Utah loses to Arizona, would Oregon lose that sort of street cred set up for the Pac-12?
3: I think that's a great question. Thank you. I think if... if <laughs> I think, let's just look at it from Oregon's side. If, or, if, if Utah loses to Arizona... A bad Arizona team. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, Utah's dropped out of the top 10, certainly. Uh, probably in that top 15 kind of range. Uh, I think it hurts. Yeah. I think it hurts. It gives, it, I think it opens the door for Oklahoma. So it, the, the two are, are absolutely linked. Well, they should be rooting for each other. Good take of Palooza's this week.
1: Connor, any more questions?
6: I uh, sure do. Uh, uh, Nicholas Roberts, and this is going to kind of put you guys on the spot from a looking forward perspective, but Nicholas Roberts asks, if Tua and Joe Burrow are gone next year, what does the SEC West look like? Is it still LSU and Bama at, at the top, or do we think there will be some room for the A&Ms and the Auburns to Ooh. take a shot at number one?
3: I think the door will be open for A&M a little bit. Um, Senior year, Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond, you would think, is coming back, and and perhaps he finally takes that long away to step forward. Uh I would not, and and look, LSU's still going to be really talented at wide receiver. Uh, They're still going to be really talented on offense. I would assume Clyde Edwards-Elair comes back. Uh, Jamar Chase will be back as maybe the best receiver in college football. He already maybe is. Uh, Miles Brennan is not Joe Burrow, but does he have to be Joe Burrow for them to be the best team in the SEC? I mean, this offense is absurd just take a step back and be real be really good and that's still a tough team to beat and then the alabama deal bryce young's coming in true freshman quarterback we've seen the way true freshmen can impact college football unless mac jones puts on a show the next few weeks i don't see anyone beating out bryce young next <laughs> okay. year we'll see but my, i think bryce young is that good and you would assume the bama defense is better uh, yeah because they're playing all these freshmen yeah. right they're going to be you would think they're improved and so uh i think that uh I think the West, at the very least, because you was the question West, West. specific or was it, West specific? Yeah, yeah I, I still think you're going to see LSU and Alabama really good. Maybe a step back from this year in LSU, uh, and I think A and That's this is this is that'll be their opportunity to, to climb.
2: I kind of feel bad for Gus Malzahn because his Auburn team, like on either side of the ball, is just totally off schedule here. This is one of the best defenses they'll have. This is once in a ten year defense. You got a true freshman quarterback. It's like if this Auburn team could have married its defense with the junior Bo Nix, it might be in the play, or it would be in the playoff hunt. So we'll see you next year if he's Chris, even there.
6: Chris Suggs is an FSU fan. He says he heard Jack Del Rio's name floated as a possibility for the head coach position. He be any good? Thoughts on FSU's coaching <laughs> search more generally?
3: I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit reluctant or skeptical about. NFL coaches. Obviously, there is the. I mean, we're looking at Herm Edwards right now. We've seen Pete Carroll. We've seen the what can happen. So I just don't feel like I can comment on that unless I'm sitting in those interview rooms. But it doesn't feel like Jack Del Rio is the energy guy that the successful former NFL coaches are um, that have had been able to to, to get it done in, in college. So I'd be a little bit Worried about that one. Um, it seems like there's some Matt Campbell movement a little bit. I, that would be one that I would be very excited about if I'm a Florida State fan. Uh, I still think Mike Norvell is a great option there, um, and, and I would imagine he's going to be heavily involved in it but might be the, the second choice to a Matt Campbell-type pursuit. So uh, this will be, be a fascinating hire because, unlike last time, there really isn't a
6: clear – Obvious choice. Yep. Uh, Charlie Mancuso has less a question, more an observation. Uh, Najee Harris will be an absolute beast. No one is talking about him sad. Does he think Najee will be a beast back? in the NFL
3: or
2: no? no I don't think I,
6: I think I think oh, against Auburn. for the rest of the season. Oh yeah. I mean
2: yeah. It's weird that Najee was such a famous recruit, top you know, top five player in the class of twenty seventeen. Sort of had a weird college career. He's had to sit behind a lot of guys, but he's had his moments. Um, I think Najee's probably going pro after the next few games. What's weird for Bama, and I want to prepare Bama fans for this, if you don't make the playoff, your entire class of 2017 is probably going to sit out the bowl game. You guys haven't had to deal with that yet because you've been in the playoff every year. You will not like it, and you will be mad at your <laughs> players. But it is the right decision for all of them. It's the right call for Judy, Ruggs, Smith, Leatherwood, Najee, Tua. You've are, I, Tua's already gone. Dylan Moses already gone. So... I can't, Enjoy the Auburn game.
6: I can't wait to see how hacked off Saban is going to be at SEC Media Days let's over uh, players skipping, skipping the bowl game.
3: It's going to be a lot of tangents he yeah. goes on yeah. to, to, to scold the media.
6: That's it for questions now.
3: Okay,
1: sir. the fan of the week is Matt McKinney. And we've already kind of touched on this, but let's go ahead and get into it a little bit more. What does the playoff committee do if LSU loses to Georgia in the SEC Championship game, Ohio State and Clemson win They're their conference championship uh-huh. and the or- and Oregon then wins the Pac-12 championship. Does Oregon get in over Bama? Does Bama stay home?
2: Bama. Uh, well, but you it got says. Okay. LSU loses to Georgia. Georgia's in. Right. LSU's in. Right. Ohio State's already in, Clemson's already in. And seeding here, the committee wants to avoid a playoff semifinal rematch of of uh, like it wouldn't have so LSU here, play Georgia about, in round 1.
3: Here's but a, those four would be the four. Here's a better question that I haven't even really thought about, but so this will this might not be good TV here, but all right, let's say Georgia beats LSU, mm-hmm. let's say Clemson wins out, which we expect to happen, and then let's say Ohio State loses to Minnesota. I think that's the one that oh God. gets kind of interesting. You got you have potentially two Big Ten worthy teams, potentially two SEC worthy teams, uh, and you've got. Clemson, which has to get in, at that they point. have to, right? If they, well, oh, oh, you tell me. Maybe they don't.
2: No, I, I think so, but I, you're putting. You have to put Minnesota in because they beat Ohio State and they're, they're the Big Ten you champion. Do. I think you do. Yeah, and you have you to put, put Georgia in. You got to put Georgia in. But now I'm like, and I think you got to put And you got to put, but, but don't you have to put Ohio State in? Do you? Because they, their resume is so a then is El- better than Clemson. So then probably. And then are you judging Clemson versus Ohio State? <laughs>
3: This would be a nightmare. I think you're judging I think you're then you're judging Ohio State and LSU. Okay. You just which which non conference champion is most deserving? Ohio State. Now of course then is but is Pac twelve just totally out of the conversation at yes. that point.
2: You should take this to Twitter. This will get us an eighteen playoff in a heartbeat. <laughs> take that to, that's it. You're the fan of the week.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for your questions. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our picks. Uh, I'm not even sure how we've done this. Big kind of under the weather, blood trying to. For me. Man, I'm look I'm at that. To
6: Barton at nine one. Wow. Connor
1: at seven and three. Josh nine and one. There you go, buddy. And Trey seven. Look and at three. the
2: two numbers right next to the uh, dash. Six and four. I am mirroring the Texas Longhorns as far as a disappointing season goes. This is. Uh, they're six and four. I'm 7646. 46 so let's get it going.
1: All right, let's go ahead and get started, guys. Texas A&M at number four, Georgia. Georgia's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite.
6: Yeah, I'm, I'm not without some concern for Georgia in this spot. Sandwiched between two rivalry games, they've already clinched the East, but it's at home. Georgia has a talent advantage. I'm going with the Bulldogs.
3: That Georgia Tech game's looming, huh?
6: Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I imagine it's something they care about.
2: <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know. I'll take your step, though, sandwiched between not the Georgia Tech game but the SEC championship game because Georgia's getting a lot of playoff, perhaps, love this week. It, it is a trap game, but Georgia's just too talented. A&M has had a better season than people want to give them because they've only lost to three really good teams with Georgia here.
3: Right, so, but A&M needs their signature win. Mm-hmm. a needs their signature moment. Right now, kind of all a is is the team that beats who they're supposed to and who loses who they're supposed to. And so this is their big moment. I tend to think this line at 13 and a half is kind of big. I, I, I tend to think this will be a closer game than that, but I do think Georgia's defense is just too stout. I, God, I love that unit. Uh, I think Georgia wins.
1: I have Georgia as well, but re- quick question. If Georgia loses this game, do they still go to the SEC? Champ- yes, the yeah, but their playoff, playoff hopes are shot. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, number 25, SMU at Navy. Navy's a three and a half point favorite.
6: Uh, yeah, I take, as I've made clear, I take no joy in prognosticating Service Academy games. It's just very tricky, but I'm going Navy at home here. I'm furious with Navy. They burned me last week. I picked them to beat Notre
2: Dame, you didn't watch, but I did. I'm going SMU. Navy's passing defense is not great. SMU gets a big win.
3: I like Navy here. SMU's uh, de- defense defending explosive run game is not very good. I think Navy will get pop a couple long ones and uh, I think Navy wins uh, decisively.
1: I'm not going to pull a Barton here, but I thought I'd put SMU down, but I picked Navy. I'm going to stick with Navy. So Navy, it is. Number 13, Michigan is a Dude. nine point favorite at Indiana.
6: Yeah. Indiana came real close to spring in the upset of a big 10 East giant last week. I think they'll finish the job this week at home with Michigan looking ahead to the game. Wow. Wow, can we? That's a big upset pick, guys.
2: Connor just went there. Uh, Indiana has an explosive offense, but I think Michigan's defense is up for the task. And I think the way they've play, played the last few weeks, they look locked in. I don't think they're looking ahead.
3: Yeah, I, I, I think that that's a nice one to take a shot on, Connor, because this is uh, a sandwich spot here. Uh, Michigan is, this game is typically close. Under Jim Harbaugh, it's been 7, 10, 11, seven points. And so I think this will be close as well. Uh, but I, I just think in, in the end, this will be a classic Indiana game where it just doesn't quite have enough. Michigan
1: uh, squeezes one out. I agree. Michigan and a close one. Pitt at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's a four-point favorite.
6: Yeah, Pitt, horrendous on offense, great on defense. Virginia Tech just kind of average on both sides of the ball, I guess. at Being at Blacksburg, I'll go VT. I'm going Pitt. I know
2: Virginia Tech's played very well as of late. As have both teams. I just, I still don't believe in them that much. I haven't been able to wash the taste of September out of my mouth. Yeah. Going Pitt, and I think Pitt's playing for an Orange Bowl berth here.
3: Pitt's got a legit defense. Like Pat Narduzzi has finally got this program to the point where it it, it can play elite level defense. It's disruptive. It gets sacks. It gets tackles for loss. Um, I think Mark Whipple has been one of the hires of the offseason as the offensive coordinator pitt and so i'm a little bit like you i just think over the course of this season pitt has proven to me it is a better team uh it wins
1: in weird ways but i think pitt finds a way to win i can't get i'm with you guys i can't get that loss to duke out of my head with virginia tech i'm rolling pitt here texas at number 14 baylor baylor is a five and a half point favorite
6: yeah, so my, my Texas betting strategy is to kind of short whatever Trey's position <laughs> happens to be that week, <laughs> just generally speaking. Uh, Baylor coming off a disappointing win. I think Texas is hopefully a little bit desperate. I don't know. Uh, but Texas should be motivated to try to go out and get get a W here. If not, I'm concerned I'm going Longhorns.
2: You're the Baylor whisperer, so i sort of am pleased <laughs> that you've picked Texas... I don't know what Baylor's mindset's gonna be after that disappointing loss to Oklahoma. They had it, they know they're gonna get them again in Dallas in a few weeks. So maybe they're they're gonna get up for the Texas game. And Texas is desperate and I I hope to see the Longhorns come out with their backs against the wall. I don't trust these guys. One week it's the defense that sucks, next week it's the offense. This is a lost
3: season and I'm done picking them. Baylor. (laughs) Uh, All right, Uh, I think Baylor's the better team. I think they've proved they're a better team. Isn't I'm that gonna, just, ah. Uh, I'm like, going to trust uh. the record. Uh, this I like that this is at home for, for Baylor, uh, being able to bring Texas to Waco. Uh, the way Texas has been playing, I, I could absolutely see them win this game. But I, I just think I'm going to go with the team that's more
1: trustworthy here. I'm going to go with Baylor. It wouldn't shock me if Texas won this game. I'm rolling Baylor as well. They really want to win this one. Give me Baylor. Tennessee at Missouri. Missouri's a four-point favorite.
6: Yeah, um, honestly, don't have the strongest read on this game. A bit, uh, Missouri, excuse me, has been been tough at home, and I, I'm just going to go with the favorite here.
2: Missouri's been, if not Texas, this year's biggest disappointment. Kelly bryan has been just meh. I'm going Tennessee. They're playing really well right now. Uh, I know it's on the road, but I like the Vols here.
3: Yeah, I was just surprised to see this line. Tennessee's playing really good football. Uh, Missouri stumbled to the finish a little bit. Uh, I, I just think Tennessee and, and, and by the way, Missouri didn't have much to play for at this point either. So I think Tennessee has everything to play for. Um, uh, and they, this is at Missouri. So Missouri has been a little better at home, but I think Tennessee is, is, is focused and ready for
1: this one. This line opened up at what Missouri minus seven or it Really? Yeah. So I don't know. That blew my mind. That being said, Tennessee's rolling right now, I guess. Uh, I, I just think Missouri's not very good, even at home. Give me Tennessee. California, Cal at Stanford. Stanford's a two-and-a-half-point favorite.
6: Yeah, this feels like a game where both teams are maybe kind of eager to get the season over with. Cal's lost 5-6. Stanford's 4-6 right now. I think there's a little bit more like more to like about the Bears, so I'm going with Cal. I was kind of hoping that Cal quarterback
2: Chase Garvers would be cleared for this game. It's, it's uncertain whether he will be. And I know the Bears' defense has not been the unit we expected, but Stanford is bad. Stanford is bad. Uh, the big rivalry
3: game. Uh, go Cal on the road. Everybody's injured. Both teams. Uh, I just think Cal is, is – I trust the defense at least for that team, uh, even though, to your point, like they've, they've dealt with some injuries. I think that they're going to get some stops. I like Cal here on the road.
1: I, I don't know. I just know Stanford is not very good this year. I've seen more of Cal. I'll roll with Cal. Give me Cal. I
3: just want to say something.
2: While we look at all four of us having Cal, who would have thought two years ago that this would happen? I don't think we've devoted enough talking this season to the disappointment that has been Stanford the last few years under David Shaw. And I sort of wonder what's next for that program as a very talented 2017 recruiting class cycles
6: out of there. Anyway, I'm off my soapbox. All
1: right, number six, Oregon, a 14 and a half point favorite at Arizona State
6: yeah i went well with the ducks here 14 and a half point favorite i i don't want to find myself in a position where i feel like i've got a root for pac-12 failure for my picks to be good uh, i'm i'm just eager to get to the to the to the drama here and a couple of couple of picks to my left or right on the i don't know how it shows up on the screen but what has
2: happened to arizona state the last few weeks i mean they've been they've been horrible i'm going to oregon and setting the stage for barton
3: <laughs> uh I said it, it's too clean right now. Things are too clean. I think Oregon's coming into uh, to Tempe, and I think Herm Edwards is going to have a, a game plan in place to shorten this game. Uh, he's got some playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, defensively, I think they can contain Oregon. Micah Pittman goes down again. Uh, Justin Herbert, limited options at receiver that, that have really been trustworthy season long. I think Arizona State, because they've been – game in these sort of big moments. I think that they take advantage of this showcase and this stage, and I think they pull the upset. Oh. I do
1: not pick against Herm. <laughs> and it's the reason why you're not in the lead, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Arizona State it is. UCLA at number 23, USC. USC's a 13 and a half point favorite.
6: Yeah, it'll be nice that, it's nice that USC snuck into the back door of the top 25 this week, so there will be at least one ranking involved in this game. Uh, USC, you know, at home, showing showing a little bit more. Or I guess they're both at home uh, in a way. Uh, it, I, I'm going with the Trojans. I was feeling kind of good
2: about UCLA the last few weeks, and then they just get murdered by Utah. Um, I'm going USC. I'm surprised the lines this big. Anything can happen in this game.
3: I think USC either blows UCLA out and wins one for the coach, or UCLA wins and soils the uh, the final game for Clay Helton. So, uh, but. I'm leaning USC here because I do think this team has shown a lot of character throughout the year. I think they play hard. USC.
1: Let's make it a sweep. USC. And finally, number eight, Penn State, and number two, Ohio State. Ohio State, an 18 and a half point favorite.
6: Yeah, wild to see what that line is. I don't. I, I'd probably like Penn State to cover, but I do think we've seen a lot of separation from Ohio State and the and the group behind them that includes Penn State and, and some other teams, so I'm, I'm going with the Buckeyes.
2: I remember a day of better parity in college football when the best teams would play the best teams and the line was at 19, and, and these games are a little bit more exciting. Ohio State rolls.
3: Yeah, I think Ohio State wins. I, I, I am starting to lean towards Penn State keeping this close, just the same way that LSU was able to, you know, play four competitive quarters with Auburn and Florida you know I just some good teams can find ways to keep it close Uh, but I don't see any way Ohio State doesn't win it they're they're just too good.
1: Trey I agree with you I think Ohio State rolls I think they're just rolling and they are not going to stop against Penn State Ohio State big. All right fellas end of the show another great show and parting shots.
2: No show next week it's Uh, Thanksgiving and we're taking the week off.
1: Yes so we'll see you in two weeks in a while. Uh, For Barton, Trey, Connor the guys in the back doing a great job calling Mike Ted. Boiler, thank you so much. We'll see you next week.
0: Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break.